Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, good morning. Welcome to Compass. I'm Chris, and I'm glad you joined me today, especially today because we're starting a brand new message series called Outsiders. Because honestly, as long as humanity has existed, there have been outsiders. People who don't fit in, who don't fit the mold, who are different, other. But I know for all of us, when we think about what an outsider is, it looks different. So for me, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of outsiders is the very first comic book that I ever got obsessed with, The Outsiders. This right here is literally the first comic book I ever bought with my own money. Now, these guys were outsiders because they didn't fit the mold of you know, the traditional Justice League superheroes. And they didn't fit the mold because of their race, their powers, I mean, their general weirdness. Maybe for you, when you think of outsiders, you might think of a movie like Goonies or or a show like Stranger Things that has kids who aren't super popular and nobody really listens to them. Maybe you're not a pop culture person and you're socially aware enough to think of outsiders like women who had to fight for the right to vote or Black people who had to fight for the right to everything, including the right to just simply live as a full human being. Or maybe you just thought about that person who sits alone at lunch in the cafeteria every day. Whether it's race, nationality, poverty, or belief system, people have always found ways and reasons to exclude those who are different than them. But ask this, are are there people who maybe should be outsiders? I mean, what do you do with a person who's part of your church, but has different beliefs about certain really important doctrines that you hold dear? What about that person who always finds a way to start a huge fight that always ends badly and it's always over their crazy politics? Honestly, what about people who like the Packers instead of the Bears? Are there people who are so risky that maybe they should be excluded to a certain degree? Well, I'm really glad you asked, because to answer this, we're going to continue in our journey through the book of Matthew, and we're going to start in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, there's actually a lot happening here in this story that we need to be aware of if we're really going to fully understand What is going on here? Now, Matthew, who is the author of the gospel we're reading, he wrote this this account of Jesus' life specifically for a Jewish audience, which means that there are things that an ancient Jewish audience or an ancient Jewish person would automatically understand from this story without having to be told that maybe we wouldn't catch. And the biggest of those here is what it actually means to be a person with leprosy. See, back then, purity and ceremonial cleanness was a big deal to the Jewish people. Being pure and clean was the same as being spiritually holy, which they took very seriously because God commanded it in Leviticus 18.45. He said, you must be holy because I am holy. And then following that command, the Jewish scriptures contained dozens and dozens of other commands on how they should be holy. And most of these commands had to do with avoiding unclean things. Things like certain types of food, certain types of people or activities, all of which could make you unclean. And there was one kind of uncleanness that was 
kind of bigger than the others. It was leprosy. All kinds of visible skin diseases that a person could have would fall into this category, but the worst of them were completely incurable. Leprosy itself was this vile disease that ate away at people's skin, leaving them disfigured and covered in sores that would never heal. I mean, look at what people with leprosy had to do according to Jewish scripture and Jewish law. In Leviticus 13, it says, Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, as long as the serious disease lasts. They will be ceremonially unclean. And they must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. People with leprosy were were viewed as so unclean that they had to amplify their disease by having messed up hair, torn up clothes, and by living alone in isolation outside of the community. They had to yell out, unclean, so that good, holy, and pure people knew where they were at all times in order to avoid becoming unclean themselves by accidentally coming into contact with them or or something that they touched. Having leprosy was seen as a curse, and it was seen as violating God's will because God commanded his people to be holy as I am holy, and they were unclean. So, like, what do you do with that? Imagine that you have leprosy, an incurable disease that you can do nothing about. You can't control it. You can't change it. It's just who you are now. And everything about your life, from what you wear to how you look to who you can interact with to where you live, is now defined by your disease. Your impurity is now your unchanging identity. And there's nothing you can do to change it. You can't wash it away. You can't pray it away. And you can't hide it. Interestingly, the Jewish scriptures actually give instruction on how a person who gets better from a skin disease is allowed to come back into the community. And that process involves an eight-day process of ceremonial actions and animal sacrifices that actually involves shaving off all the hair on your body twice. But according to the Jewish rabbis, it was so difficult to be healed from leprosy that they said it was like raising a person from the dead, meaning it was impossible. Lepers were literally considered the walking dead, and they were treated that way. As a result of this focus on ceremonial purity being such a big deal, good religious people, they responded in a couple ways to people with leprosy or uncleanness that will probably seem familiar to us today. One group was called the Essenes. And because purity was so important to the Essenes, they decided that the best way to stay clean was to separate themselves completely from the world. They lived outside the city in their own communities, often in the desert, and they often lived these isolated lives away from anyone or anything that could make them unclean. These guys took purity so seriously that they reportedly wouldn't even poop on the Sabbath. Or at least they would try not to because sometimes when nature calls, nature screams. The second way that people responded to uncleanness was to do what the Pharisees did. And the Pharisees advanced a campaign of holiness, and they pushed their purity rituals onto everyone. They tried to enforce their values on the world. And if the Essenes were like monks withdrawing from society, then the Pharisees were more like Christian nationalists, attempting to conform society to their way of thinking and living. They preached that 
People should avoid defilement at all costs. And they told those who were unclean that they should submit themselves to the purity rituals of the law, including the expanded rules and regulations that they wrote and established themselves so that they could be double sure that everyone was pure and holy by their standard. And we can see both of these responses active in religious communities today. We see a withdrawal from a world filled with unclean people and unclean things. And we also see a militaristic advance into an unclean world to take it back and make it clean again. Now, the problem with both is that in either of those scenarios, there's no room for the leper. Both withdrawal and attack leave people behind. They leave outsiders. They leave people whose experiences and circumstances cause them to be excluded from communities that the good, pure, clean people are trying to build for themselves. For many lepers whose disease couldn't be changed, there was no hope. They would always be outsiders from their community, physically, socially, spiritually. And that's hopeless. But while we've seen how the religious culture responded to outsiders with leprosy, we haven't yet seen what Jesus did. Check it out in Matthew 8 again. So suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Okay, again, there's huge things happening here. Let me walk you through what's going on. First, for a person with leprosy, to approach and walk into a crowd of people, that would have been a completely despicable act condemned by Jewish law. I mean, think about all the purity rules that this guy violated just by walking up to and talking to Jesus. The people there would have been absolutely shocked and outraged by his behavior. I mean, if you think it's frustrating being exposed to COVID by someone else, imagine what being exposed to someone else's spiritual impurity must have meant to that entire crowd. And then this guy with leprosy had the nerve after violating the law of Moses to ask Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, to heal him. It was an outrageous act. That's first. And second, this is big. Look at what Jesus did when this man asked him for healing. Matthew 8, 3. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Before Jesus said a word, he reached out and he touched a man with leprosy. Remember, Jewish scripture and law forbid the touching of anyone or anything that is unclean. It would defile you. But Jesus calmly and silently reached out and he touched the man anyway. Now again, imagine the crowd. According to their religious rules, Jesus has now made himself unclean. And he didn't do it on accident. He did it on purpose. And then after touching the man, Jesus says, be healed and immediately the leprosy disappeared from the man's body. Now I read this and I ask myself, why did Jesus have to touch the man? Couldn't he have just said, be healed? He healed other people like this other times, why not this time? Why did he have to touch an unclean, impure person violating the Jewish scriptures? Why would he risk the contagion of unholiness by being near someone who was unholy? 
And I think the answer is to show us how it's done. Throughout history, there have always been people who were treated like lepers by society and by the church, as if their impurity would somehow infiltrate and infect the rest of us if they were allowed too much access. People have been made outsiders because of their nation of origin, the color of their skin, their religion, what they believe. I mean, honestly, we're not too far removed from a time in America when Catholics, Italians, and anyone with skin color just a few shades darker than mine were all looked at the same way a person with leprosy was looked at in first century Palestine. Unclean, impure, infectious, people to isolate. And it doesn't take much to identify the people who are treated like lepers today. They are the people who the righteous dismiss as unclean, people to be avoided at all costs, people in the LGBTQ community, Muslims, the mentally ill, immigrants, homeless, people who are deconstructing their faith. I've heard people in the church say things like, gay people don't reproduce, they recruit, and we need to protect our kids from them or else our kids will think that being gay is cool. I've seen the desire to help the immigrant and the homeless, but from a distance where the sights and smells can't really touch us. I mean, we help with money, but not our time or relationship. Like we're talking about a contagion we need to stop rather than people we need to love. But when Jesus physically touched a man with leprosy to heal him, and, and in doing so, violating the religious purity rules in Jewish scripture, he gave us a whole new way of looking at people and a new way of responding to those who've been excluded through no fault of their own. Before Jesus, proximity to the wrong thing or the wrong people could make you unclean, but Jesus changed all that because now, for followers of Jesus, sin isn't contagious. Holiness is. And check it out. Jesus wasn't made unclean when he touched a man with leprosy. Rather, the man was healed. He was made clean and holy by Jesus' touch. Followers of Jesus aren't called to avoid, isolate, and restrict the access of people who we think are unholy. Rather, followers of Jesus must embrace those who are seen as impure by society. For us, when we hear the command to be holy as God is holy, that means the active embrace and inclusion of the outsider. We are Jesus' hands and feet, physically touching and interacting with this world and the people in it. How could we possibly exclude the modern-day spiritual leper when Jesus did the exact opposite? How could we possibly keep someone from being made whole by keeping them from full access and proximity to Jesus because we're afraid of what that proximity might mean for us, especially when the way we love outsiders is one of the ways in which his light is seen in this world. Look at Matthew 8, 4. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. Jesus' embrace of the social and spiritual outsider was a public testimony of his power to heal. 
And the way we embrace or exclude outsiders is exactly the same thing. Will our public testimony be that we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught? Or will our testimony be that we think the risk of being contaminated by the uncleanness of others is greater than the power of Jesus to change their lives? This man with leprosy, he suffered a condition that was socially unacceptable. He was devalued and unwelcome in society. He was regarded as unclean and unholy. He had to live outside the community so that he wouldn't pollute the people within the community. But Jesus turned all that around. Jesus didn't heal him so he could be touched. Jesus touched him so that he could be healed. Jesus didn't make him well so that he could be accepted into the community. Jesus accepted him into his community so that he could be made well. And when Jesus touched him, he tore down all the boundaries created by the purity laws that we still use to categorize and isolate people within our own spiritual community. Under Christ, those rules no longer apply. We are all one in Jesus, equal in receiving his perfect love and massive grace. So as we wrap up, just ask yourself two things, okay? First, are there people who I put into categories of clean or unclean? Are there people who I think need to be left out of the community because of what I see as their impurity? Maybe you just don't know how to include them without feeling pressure to condemn and isolate what you see as their unholiness. I mean, we're all wired to view certain people as outsiders and recognizing it is the first step to changing it. And second, ask yourself this, what can I do this week to reach out and touch the outsiders in my life? Once you know who they are, what can you do to be like Jesus and invite them in rather than keep them at a distance? Maybe it's someone you know personally, or maybe there's just a group of those people in your life who've been kept out of the community because of your actions or your inaction. Remember this, their holiness and purity is not a factor in their inclusion. Jesus reached out and touched the man with leprosy before he was healed, before he could be involved in community life. How can you do the same? I know that as we talk about Jesus' heart for the outsiders and how we are going to respond to them, especially over the next several weeks, that things are going to get messy. And that's okay. Jesus was messy. Love is messy. The church is messy. It's not always perfectly clean cut the way we want it to be. But as we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught, life will grow in the complexity of all of that. We can trust him to do just that. And I look forward to hearing about what God does in your life and in the life of others as you and I step into the mess of loving, embracing, and including others like Jesus did. Not because they made themselves pure and clean, but in spite of it. I can't wait to see what happens in our lives as we live like Jesus. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.